Class is in session. You're listening to Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshay. Let's go! Now, let's start the show. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to episode four of the Squat University podcast, where the goal is to bring you as much value-packed content to help you move better in the gym and in life decrease your body's aches and pains, and help you reach your true athletic potential. Before we get started, guys, I just want to give you a big thank you for listening to the podcast. I'm truly humbled and grateful for each and every one of you listening. Uh, Please keep hitting me up on Twitter and on the Instagram DM with your feedback of the show. It means so much to me. With that being said, let's get to the show. The title of today's class will be Patellar and Quad Tendon Pain, How to Fix It. Now, I think this is going to be a little bit more of a longer show compared to our last couple ones, but I think you guys will get a lot out of it. This is obviously one of the most prevalent injuries in all of strength sports, whether you're a powerlifter, a crossfitter, a weightlifter, almost everyone has experienced patellar or quad tendon pain at some point of their career. I know this is something that I've definitely experienced um, when I was getting ready for the 2011 Senior Nationals in weightlifting. I had a really bad case of patellar tendon pain. At the time, I was pulling... I believe two a days, almost four times a week, and this is something that started flaring up. I didn't know how to deal with it at the time, um, but I had a competition to get ready for. I didn't want to take time off, so I did what most people do. I resorted to icing my knees at night. I would use capsation cream or biofreeze um, all over my knees just to get them to the point where I could train through it. I was trying to do whatever corrective exercises I knew at the time, which is basically stretch my quads, which only provided me short-term relief, if any. And it wasn't until I finally took a little bit of a break after nationals that I found some relief. Now, if this sounds familiar to you, you are in luck. We're going to go in-depth today with patellar and even quad tendon pain, and I want to go over exactly what causes this pain and how we can kickstart the healing process. As with everything I teach, my goal here is to help simplify what so many in the medical field have overcomplicated with the end goal of empowering you, the athlete and the coach, with the knowledge of how to fix your own body and realize what your body is truly capable of. So to start, let's uh, kick off this entire podcast with patellar and quad tendon anatomy. So this is anatomy 101. So to start, what the heck is a tendon? Well, a tendon is basically a fibrous band of tissue That connects muscle to bone. Now, the patellar tendon runs from your kneecap or your patella to the tibial tuberosity, which is basically this big bony nub on the top of your shin. Above the kneecap is another band of fibrous tissue. It's called the quad tendon, which attaches, obviously, the very large and strong quad muscles to the area just above your kneecap. Now, these are two tendons that have to work together to absorb and release a tremendous amount of power every time you do something like a squat, a jump, a run, um, much like a spring. Now, athletes who are involved in sports that require a sudden explosive or repetitive motion can develop pain at these tendons. This is why a lot of times you can hear this injury referred to as jumper's knee. Now, it's very common in sports like basketball and volleyball because they obviously have a ton of repetitive jumping. However, uh, patellar and quad tendon pain is also very prevalent in sports like weightlifting, powerlifting, CrossFit, 
due to the extreme amount of force that is sustained at these tendons over a lot of repetition. Obviously, when you're doing uh, CrossFit, when you're doing weightlifting or powerlifting, you're not just doing one rep, you're doing rep after rep after rep. So it's this repetitive force that's placed on these tendons that can eventually uh, lead to some pain. So for example, there's a lot of research that has looked into the loads placed on these tendons during heavy squats, for example. And they've estimated that these forces can reach up to 8,000 newtons. Now, if you're listening to this, you're like, what the heck is a newton? A newton is basically just an international unit for measuring force. So what does 8,000 newtons have to do with anything? Well, it's estimated that the patellar tendon itself can withstand forces upwards of 10,000 to 15,000 newtons, which is basically like anywhere between 13 to 19 times your body weight. Now, what that means is that if your body can sustain loads of up to 15,000 newtons and during heavy squats, you're only estimating forces of up to 8,000 newtons, that means that the forces that your tendons sustain on an average basis during heavy training is nowhere near the threshold needed to completely rupture the tendons. Now, if we talk about the quad tendon, there's not as much research on it, but the quad tendon is usually about 30 to 40% thicker than patellar tendon. So what that means is that it can probably withstand forces even higher than that 15,000 estimated newtons at the patellar tendon. So what that means is that your tendons are very unlikely to rupture during training. Now, does it happen? Sure, at times, but it's very rare. But what that means is how do we still develop pain at these tendons if they're unlikely to rupture? How does the pain start? So let's start with a couple definitions. First, patellar and quad tendon injuries historically have been separated into two distinct categories. We have tendonitis and tendinosis. Probably most people refer to an injury at the knee, we say tendonitis. That's just sort of the normal way of saying it. Well, the itis ending on that, the I-T-I-S, refers to an acute injury or a very new injury that's caused or surrounded by a lot of inflammation. So we get swelling, we get some redness, we get some heat. The osis, so tendinosis, O-S-I-S ending, traditionally refers to the problem where there's not a lot of inflammation, but the tendon's actually degrading and becoming weak. So traditionally, when you would look through any medical book, you'd see sort of a different diagnosis. You have tendonitis, you have tendinosis. However, recent research has almost challenged this idea that inflammation is commonly seen when someone has patellar or quad tendon pain, that the inflammation isn't necessarily the main driver of why someone's having pain. This is why taking anti-inflammatories with patellar tendon pain isn't always the best idea and it's not necessarily going to help. In fact, there's now many experts that believe that tendon injuries like tendonitis and tendinosis aren't necessarily mutually exclusive and they're actually different parts of the same injury process. So from here on out, instead of saying tendonitis or tendinosis, not that it's wrong, most people will instead use the term tendinopathy because it's sort of an all-encapsulating way of talking about tendon injuries. So let's talk about how do tendon injuries occur. When I was going through physical therapy school, I was taught that tendon injuries occur due to overuse. This is why most of my PT school teachers at the time, when I was having that case of patellar tendon pain back in 2011 leading up to nationals, they just told me to stop lifting because it's an overuse, Aaron. You're squatting too much. You're lifting too much. Just stop lifting, which obviously didn't happen. I was getting ready for a national meet. I'm not just going to stop lifting. And I'm sure many of you can relate to this and have been in the same boat. 
If this was always true and tendon pains were always due to overuse, how are so many elite weightlifters able to pull two-a-day sessions, three-a-day sessions multiple times throughout the week and never develop pain? Well, it all comes down to the individual and their relative training status. So let me explain. Our bodies do an amazing job of adapting to the stresses applied on it. So depending on the kind and the amount of stress, the cells in our tendons can respond positively or negatively. When we train with the right kind of training loads, the right kind of volume, our tendons can actually become stronger by becoming more stiff. And if you remember, tendons are almost like springs. So if we have a more stiff tendon, it's going to be able to generate more power. So our tendons can adapt just like our muscles can to our training. So basically, the elite athlete who performs explosive and heavy barbell training day in and day out with minimal rest is able to do so without developing quad or patellar tendon pain because they've deliberately conditioned their tendons over years of lifting to withstand a very high level of stress. So here's how tendon pain occurs. It's all about an unexpected trigger or load on the tendon. So here's two examples. Example one, let's call this guy Jim. Jim is a 34-year-old CrossFitter. He's a college football player who now works a desk job. He just found CrossFit last year and he absolutely loves it. However, now that he's getting close to becoming a master athlete, he sees the master regional games insight and he wants to try training for it. So he jumps from CrossFitting three times a week and goes directly to six days a week. Okay, example two. Um, let's call her Tina. Tina is a 22 year old Olympic weightlifter. In preparation for the recent U.S. Senior Nationals, Tina was lifting four days a week with two-a-day training sessions and was lifting one time the other days with only one day of complete rest. So after Nationals, she was feeling a little burnt out and took a complete rest for two weeks. Probably just went on vacation, spent the rest of the time chilling on the couch watching Netflix like I know many of us do. Two weeks later, she jumps right back into her previous training session. Well, guess what? Both Jim and Tina developed patellar tendon pain because both ex uh, exposed their body basically and their tendons to unexpected stresses. Jim went from training three days a week directly to six. Tina had very strong tendons. He was obviously able to handle training four times a week with two a days and training the other days with only one day rest. So she had very strong tendons, but she took time off, two, you know, two weeks completely off, which allowed her tendons to briefly adapt and become deconditioned and then directly jumped right back in abruptly to her previous high volume way of training. Now, the type of pain that both of these athletes experience after this recent shock to the tendons uh, is called a reactive state. Basically, at this time, the athlete may experience a little bit of swelling to the tendon. There's a little bit of pain, tenderness. Research believe this is called the reactive response. It's a short-term adaptation in the tendon, and it has the potential to return back to normal if the initial trigger, basically the initial training load that shocked them in the first place is significantly reduced and there's a little bit longer time uh, before the next training session. So if Jim takes a few days off and builds his body back from three days a week to four days to five days to six days, doesn't just jump from three days a week to six days a week, over a month or so he could eventually handle the training of six days a week without developing pain. And the same goes with Tina. So if she now takes a deload and removes that initial stressor that caused her to go into pain and caused her tendons to become reactive, the pain will probably go away. 
And then she needs to build back slowly. So she needs to build back with maybe half volume and eventually maybe go to uh, four days a week of training, five days a week, and then eventually start adding in those two days again. But we have to remove that initial shock to the system that caused the tendons to become reactive. However, if either of these athletes continue to train past this point, we remember we call this the point of reactivity, the tendon will enter a second stage of injury. And this is called the stage of disrepair. And basically, the tendons continue to thicken in an attempt to heal themselves and pain continues. And again, if proper steps aren't taken again at this time to address the injury, it's going to move to the third stage, which is the worst and it's called the degenerative stage. At this stage, the small fibers that make up the tendon, and they're called collagen, will actually begin to break down and die. At this stage, it's believed that the tendon is more prone to complete rupture. At this time, if it's subjected to enough load. Now, if you guys saw my YouTube documentary called Josiah's Story, this is likely what caused his big injury. Now, if you guys don't know, Josiah is a powerlifter who snapped almost every supporting ligament in both knees while attempting to squat 655 in a meet. Now, this was on his third attempt, so he had already made two successful lifts. And on his third lift, he went down with 655 on his back and just, boom, everything snapped. And he tore almost every supporting ligament in both knees. But it probably started with his tendons rupturing on his right side. Uh, likely because they had become so tendinotic, they had reached that third degenerated stage because he had pushed through pain for so long, which so many of us do as athletes. You know, we continue to push through pain. We're told no pain, no gain. Just try to cover it up. Put this capsation or biofreeze on. Take these pills. Well, what we don't understand is that we're covering up pain. We're covering up our body's signals to ourselves that something's going to go wrong. The analogy I love to use is that pain is almost like the warning light in your car. And when it's telling you, when it's on, it's telling you there's something wrong. If you just put a piece of tape over that warning light and you just drive your car through your warning light on, hey, guess what? Eventually, something bad is going to happen. And if it happens long enough, something is going to break. And that's what can happen potentially, as we saw with Josiah in that documentary. Definitely check it out. It's free on YouTube. Um, but, you know, you need to understand that your patellar tendon pain is telling you something and you need to work to fix it. Now, the good thing is that we can hope to heal from this injury even if we've made it to some of those later stages. If you've ever heard of Jill Cook, she's an amazing researcher in the field of tension injuries. And a number of her studies, <clears throat> she describes these three stages, the reactive, disrepair, and degenerative stage to be on a continuum. And what does that mean if it's on a continuum? That means that we can effectively or hope to move between the different phases of tendon injury based on how we tr uh, treat it or fail to treat it. So for example, an athlete who has patellar tendinopathy in the reactive or the disrepair second stage can return to full health with proper maintenance of their training loads, their frequency, their volume, and possibly some corrective exercises or physical therapy. Unfortunately, those who have reached that third and final stage, the degenerative stage, they're gonna have a more uphill battle. But there's still a chance for recovery. You just have to very, you know, go about it in an extremely conservative way. So for this reason, 
If you have been dealing with an injury, a patellar tendon or quad tendon pain for months, I highly recommend that you go about this in a very conservative way. Um, go see a sports physical therapist. Go see your, you know, your sports orthopedic doctor and get ahead of this because we don't want it to continue moving into that degenerative stage and uh, risk rupturing if you continue to lift heavy weights. But if you are on sort of the earlier side, the reactive side, the disrepair side, you know, that's what we're going to talk about right now. How do we go about fixing this? Well, we first need to understand sort of where's our place on that continuum. So contrary to the general advice of many local doctors, not everyone has to completely stop training to fix this injury. It all depends on sort of where you're at on that continuum. So for example, if you believe you're in the reactive stage of the tendon injury, so you just um, went back to training like Jim and Tina, like we talked about before, you jumped right back in and boom, the next day you wake up and you've got a ton of pain in your knees. <clears throat> you don't necessarily need to stop training. Your body just experienced this abrupt overload, this unexpected stress to your tendon tissues, and they've responded negatively with pain. You instead need to look into why this pain occurred and understand that it's because of how you unexpectedly loaded to be able to find sort of that lasting decrease in pain. So for most of you, this all this means is you just need to take a few days off training to allow your body to recover. And then you need to modify your training program next time you're in the gym to avoid another flare-up. For most of us, this means decreasing the amount of reps and how heavy you lift, so changing up volume and, and also the intensity. You don't just need to completely stop training, but you need to understand that if you don't take this step slowly when you get back into the training room the next time, you'll risk pushing your body into that next stage of the injury continuum into that second stage disrepair. So if you've been dealing with tendon injuries or the, just a recent tendon, tendon injury, you need to be very careful about how you handle it. Instead, <clears throat> on the next stage, if you've been experiencing patellar quad tendon pain for more than a couple weeks, uh, it's likely that you've entered sort of that next stage. And that's the stage, like we talked about before, of disrepair. At this time, <clears throat> I highly recommend starting corrective exercises. We'll talk about a few of them today and modifying your training. You have to take a huge modification in your training program. A modification in this training program at this time means decreasing both volume, which is the amount of reps and sets, and the frequency, the amount of days that you're lifting per week during your workout. Notice that I didn't necessarily say you need to uh, decrease the amount of intensity or the amount of weight you have lifted uh, during this modification. In my experience, a number of barbell athletes who begin to experience this kind of pain, uh, they'll, they'll do so in the time leading up to a very important weightlifting or a powerlifting meet where they're really trying to gear up. They've got a lot of volume training. They're trying to get their body ready to peak at a specific time. So for this reason, our goal in treating this injury at this time frame is to maintain a really high level of conditioning that allows us to continue our progress towards that competition platform without overstressing the tendon and leading it to continue along that continuum. So what this means is that our body can sometimes handle some intensity. We just can't handle a lot of volume. So if we can decrease the amount of reps we're doing, but still, you know, do a lot of intensity, it may allow us to continue our training, continue our performance, but not slide into that last phase of degeneration. However, if the body does not respond well to that modification in training with the addition of corrective exercises, 
or the pain's been ongoing for more than a few months, you know, it's likely in that degenerative stage. It's highly, highly recommended that you need to cease training and consult with your local sports physical therapist or orthopedic specialist because, again, this could lead to something very bad. So let's now jump to step two. Let's talk about some rehab exercises that can help you. So historically, if you look up, if you do a Google search, you know, how to treat patellar tendon injuries, Historically, physical therapists, other doctors, they've treated these injuries with eccentric exercises. Now, this is one of the most common uh, you would see. I've shared it before. It's a single leg squat on a decline board. So you, basically, you set up a board. You can do it with a slant board if you have one. But basically, if you set up a box and then maybe put a slanted plate, that's about 25 degree angle um, and do a single leg squat. Basically, you start on uh, one leg. You perform a slow single leg squat while standing on a decline uh, with a very upright chest. <clears throat> and then as you get down, you're going to put your free leg back down and stand back up. Placing your body on a decline, it's going to specifically target the patellar tendon upwards of 25 to 30% more than if you just did that single leg squat on flat ground. And historically, this has been something that's been in a lot of training protocols for treating tendon injuries. But unfortunately... The big thing to understand with this exercise, and the reason I don't use it very often at all, is because pain is a normal response for this exercise. So if you're using it with an athlete that's already in season and trying to continue to lift to get ready for a competition, it can place way too much stress on that tendon, make it more uh, irritated and worsen the injury. So it's not necessarily a great exercise, especially if someone's trying to lift around that. What we found is that in the end, it's ultimately about the amount of load we place on the tendon during the rehab process that drives the injured tissue to um, you know, become healthier, to decrease our symptoms. It's not necessarily the kind of stress. So we don't necessarily always need eccentric loads. We just need a certain and the right amount of load. So what can we use instead that's going to be better handled by your body? We can use isometrics. Now, isometrics are almost always one of the most tolerated or best tolerated exercises for almost any type of injury that you have, especially tendon injuries. What is an isometric? It's basically an exercise where you contract your muscle, but the joint around it doesn't move. So if you're sitting in your car, listening to this as you drive, if you just squeeze your quad and don't move your knee, that's an isometric exercise. You're making, you're making a muscle contraction, but you're not having any movement with it. Isometrics are great for certain reasons. They're shown to reduce pain for upwards of 45 minutes after performing with tendon injuries. So definitely something that you want to do if you've had a lot of pain recently. They also spark the ability to kick that quad back on muscle contraction-wise because it's usually inhibited in strength and its ability to contract due to pain and if there's any swelling around that area. In an easy way to perform an isometric to help with our quad tendon or patellar tendon injuries is just with a simple wall sit. What we're trying to do with these exercises, besides obviously decrease the pain and get the muscles to kick back on, is our goal is to start improving the load-bearing capacity of the part of the tendon that is still healthy. Now, for the reactive state, most of the tendon is still very healthy. It's just reacting to that initial unexpected load. However, if you took a picture of the injured tendon, especially if it's to the point of disrepair or degeneration, there's actually what it's it's going to look like almost like a small hole that's into the tendon. That's basically the part of the tendon 
where the fibers have broken down and almost degraded. And research has shown that to a point, we can't necessarily turn those degraded tissues around. We can't just make them look healthy again. But what we can do is we can start to strengthen the surrounding healthy tissues to make the entire tendon as a whole more resilient and stronger. So we can attempt to make the spring stronger and more stiff by treating the tissues that are still healthy. Now, some people will refer to this analogy as treating the donut, not the hole. So the hole, obviously, of the donut being the degraded tissue and the donut part of it, the part that tastes good, obviously, is the surrounding tissue that is still healthy. So sometimes that's a good analogy that a lot of people like to use in reference to what the tendon's looking like at that time. So how do we perform the wall sit? Well, obviously, if you've never done one before, find a wall, uh, put your feet uh, far enough away from the wall um, that when you slide your back down the wall, your knees are over your uh, heels. You don't want them over your toes. So if you have your feet too close to the wall, your knees are going to jam forward over your toes and you're probably going to put a little too much stress on them. We don't want to cause pain with this isometric. So for most people, you're going to slide down. You want like a 30 to 60 degree bend. You do not have to do this wall sit completely flat. Um, you know, this hold again, it, it also should not create any trembling in your muscles. This is called a fasciculation. Basically, it's a sign that you're doing this too intensely and that actually can be bad for the tendons. When you're performing this, if you're doing it with the right intensity, you should notice an immediate decrease in the amount of pain directly after. I want you to start off with about five repetitions for about 45 seconds. Now, if that itself is too easy, you can do two things to make it harder. First, you can hold a weight. You can obviously add more load to your body. Second, you can move from two feet to one feet. This is something that I almost always do. I jump straight to a single leg when I was working through this. Ideally, we want to push the intensity of these isometrics in order for them to be effective. We want to obviously use enough load to initiate you know, some of that decreasing pain, but we don't want to be sweating bullets after them. Again, you know, it's not, we don't want to make it too hard to where our muscles start fasciculating or twitching basically. And in fact, research has shown that we can get a lot of benefits from doing these isometrics at like a 70% of your max contraction ability. So we don't need to be sweating bullets again just to do these wall sits. Um, try five of them for 45 seconds. Um, and you'll notice if you're doing these correctly, that you'll have a little bit of decrease in pain afterwards. If you are continuing to train through this injury, using isometrics before your workout can be a great way to decrease pain and improve your neuromuscular control, your ability to turn on your quad muscles and improve your force generation during your lifting. So I definitely recommend doing these isometrics before your lifting um, and also probably two to three times a day outside of your training with about maybe a minute or two rest in between to help maximize your recovery. So that's isometrics. Now, the next thing we can do as pain decreases, as you're on the healing continuum of this injury, we can start heavy, slow resistance exercises. Now, these are going to be basically any loaded exercise. It could be a squat, it could be a Bulgarian split squat, but basically we want to start any loaded exercise that's going to work the quads and it's going to be performed slowly with heavy weight. And our goal with this is to be able to increase the amount of load that that tendon can handle without creating more pain. So these should not be performed without a lot of pain. If you can't squat yet without a lot of pain, you aren't ready for the stage. But this is something that eventually we can move to. 
At this time, one of the most uh, easily tolerated exercises that people can perform loaded um, with heavy weight and a slow tempo is going to be a box squat. It's great for the stage because it allows you to load up the body in a recognizable way while controlling for a few important factors. First, you can control the amount of depth by setting the box to a predetermined height that will limit pain. And the reason this is so important is because tendon injuries often respond to not only the amount of load on your back. So if you have a tendon injury, usually you'll notice that you'll have more pain the more weight you have on your back. 40% of your one rep max is not nearly going to be as painful as 90% of your one rep max. The other thing that's very common with quad and patellar tendon injuries is they also respond to the amount of depth. So if someone does a squat to a parallel depth, they're usually not going to have near the amount of pain that they would if they squatted ass to grass. So box squats can cut out that full depth squat and therefore allow us sometimes to place load that's going to help our tendons respond and get stronger but not irritate them too much as if we were going to go to full depth. Box squats also decrease the total amount of tension placed on the quad and patellar tendon complex because they don't allow for that powerful turnaround at the bottom of a normal squat, that bounce that naturally stores and releases energy in those tendons like a spring. You can't use that on a box or you're going to hurt yourself. You have to pause on the box. And in, in doing so, pausing on that box, you take away that connection between the descent called the, the eccentric and the ascent called the concentric part of the squat. And that pause, therefore, places less overall load on the injured tendons because you're using your muscles more to generate your powerful ascent. You're not necessarily storing a lot of that tension in the tendons that's going to be released. If they're angry, that's going to make them obviously a little bit more angry. The big takeaway is that your tendons require heavy load to adapt and heal. Research has shown that these positive changes that you'll see in muscles like you know gazing, gaining size and strength, you can Find that often anywhere between loads of 30 to 90% of your one rep max. So muscles can respond to a variety and a very wide range of loads. However, tendons require significantly more load, upwards of 70%, to see sort of those same adaptive changes. So tendons speak the language of load. So the goal with these uh, squats and any really loaded resistance exercise as you're coming back with your corrective exercises during this healing process. The goal is to eventually work up to heavy loads so that they can be helpful in continuing the healing process. So how do we know at this time if we're using the right amount of weights on our box squats? Well, we can use what we call a pain provocation test. And basically, it says any movement uh, that we want to use as a test to see how our body is handling the load from our program. Um, take, for example, a single leg squat. Let's say you do a single leg squat before you work out one day and you have a little pain. You know, Rate that pain on a scale of zero to 10. Zero is obviously no pain. 10 is, oh my gosh, that is killing me. I need to go to the ER. That's the worst pain I've ever had. So let's say you rate your pain and it's a three out of 10. You go through your isometrics, you're feeling a little bit better. You try a little bit of box squats, maybe you work up to 60% of your one rep max for a couple sets, um, and you, you feel good while you're doing it. Your pain's not very high. The next day you come to train, you should do that same single leg squat that you did the prior day before your workout and rate your pain again. If it is worse than that initial three out of 10, the loading that you did with that box squat was too intense for your body 
and you need to back off it again. That 60%, it was just too much for your body. If, however, your pain is still a 3 out of 10, or it's even maybe a little bit better, it's now a 2 out of 10, then you're good to go. You can do that exact same workout you did, or you can even load up the body a little bit more. So that's a way that you can test how your body is responding. We call that a pain provocation test. Test, retest, see how your body is responding, and that can help guide your body through this difficult process. And again, I urge you, if this is something that has been going on for a long time, go see a sports physical therapist to help you through this area because what may take you months and months and months to battle through this, a sports physical therapist could guide you more efficiently through this kind of pain. It's all about finding the right one that understands your goals of being a strength athlete. So let's now go over just a couple common questions that a lot of people have when it comes to patellar and quads and pain. First one, the most common, should I ice my knees? I know I've definitely used ice on my knees before when I was training and having a lot of this pain. I loved ice. Made me feel good, but is it the best way of helping treat your pain? Well, ice has been definitely shown to be beneficial at controlling inflammation and pain in the days following a brand new injury, and we would call this the acute phase. There's very mixed results and opinions on whether or not it should be used for chronic overuse injuries like most cases of patellar tendinopathy. Most cases aren't just that reactive pain. A lot of times, like I said, it's been into that disrepair or degenerative phase. Ice is not necessarily very useful at this time in doing anything more than helping you get a decrease in short-term relief of pain. I don't necessarily have a problem with using ice at this time, but just understand you are using a Band-Aid on top of the problem. You are just decreasing pain in the short term. You are not helping your tendons heal from this injury by applying ice after you're having some pain, after squats. You're not accelerating the healing process at all. You're just making yourself feel better in the short term. So that's ice after this injury. So what about the second most common question, which is should you use straps or braces? You know, if you go through any gym, you'll see people wearing these straps around their patellar tendons. They say it helps them feel better. Now, what the heck are one of those straps? Um, They're often called a uh, a show pat or donjoy. They're two of the most common orthotics for patellar tendon pain. They're basically just a thick piece of material that wraps around your patellar tendon. And what it does is it decreases the strain on some of those tissues. While you can purchase uh, one of those straps at almost any local drugstore, you can also save yourself some time and money if you want to use one of these and just sort of make your own with some pre-wrap material. The big thing is there's also mixed results with this. Some people swear by their use. However, research has been very, very iffy on it. My thoughts on these straps are that if it decreases pain with your activity, you can definitely use one. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to make it worse. You know, just make sure that you remember, just like the ice, it's only a supplement. It's only something that's going to help you deal with the pain. It is not and should never be used as a sole treatment of pain, and it should not be used as a band-aid to help mask the pain. Your goal at this time should be to address why the pain is there, and if you only use ice and you only use medications and you only use straps, you will never have complete decreases in your pain because you're not addressing why the pain is there in the first place. So 
depending on where you're at and where your injury is at on that whole continuum that we talked about, this this process for decreasing this pain could take a couple days. If you back off and you're on that reactive stage, could take a couple weeks, could even take months. You know, the progression for these exercises we talked about today, the isometrics, the heavy slow resistance, it should be guided like we talked about with the amount of pain that you're having in that pain provocation test with the single leg squat. Um, but no two people are going to respond the exact same way. You know, some people will be able to add more weight session after session. The pain will slowly decrease. Some people, however, will require a more fluctuated load program in order to keep your pain at bay. In the end, you need to come to grips that you are the only one that can take control of your pain and understand that if you want full pain relief, you have to be smart about it, not train through it and just, you know, cover it up with pain medication, straps, gels, sort of like I did back in 2011. You need to be smart about it and not be that tough guy. You need to listen to your body. Dealing with this type of injury can be very slow and frustrating. I know firsthand about that, but the big thing is that there is hope. So that is it for today's podcast. Again, I want to thank you for listening. I hope you got a lot out of this. I know it's much longer than the other ones. Hit me up on Twitter, in the Instagram DM with your feedback, how you like the show. If you have any questions, it means a lot to hear from each and every one of you. Until next week, guys, happy squatting. That's it for today, class, on Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshig. For more exclusive content, log on to squatuniversity.com.